Blessed are the peacemakers. Let's face it, there's not a whole lot of peace going around these days, is there, in this world? The fact is that peace has never been a characteristic of man's earthly pilgrimage since we were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And there are two reasons for this lack of peace. First of all, there's Satan's opposition, and there's a battle going on here. And it's between Satan and God, and we wind up being those that uh, are just objects uh, that, uh, that Satan doesn't care for at all, and someone that he can hurt and hurt God by doing so. And so uh, that's number one. And number two is man's and women's disobedience. Uh, that's uh, the, the rebellion and fall of man in the Garden of Eden led to a world without peace. It was at that moment in a perfect world when Adam and Eve disobeyed God that this world was not perfect anymore. And whenever that happened, disease, death, uh, deterioration, age, all sorts of things just came into this world. And uh, one of these days, we know that God's going to come back. He's going to straighten things out. But we're living in this in-between time, and it's an in-between time where there is a lot of chaos and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And it's into this setting that Jesus, who is God, come to earth as a man, says these words, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons or children of God. We need to realize who's talking here, and the one who's talking is the greatest peacemaker that ever lived. And it was this is one of the things that attracted me to Jesus and that got me to uh, really considering whether he was even really real or not at one point in my life because uh I remembered I would go to I would I was in the insurance claims profession. Death and destruction, deterioration, negligence, things like that were the things that uh, I made my living off of. The fallenness of this world was money in my pocket. And uh, it was just amazing uh, as I would walk the streets of Houston and the medical center over in the Houston area, and I would uh, just see all the pain. And I would see man's inhumanity against man. And I would see their disregard for each other. And I would see all this bad stuff going on all around me all week. And then I'd go to church and hear, be good. God loves you. He made a good world and he wants you to enjoy it. And I would think, what's wrong with this picture? Something's not adding up between what I'm seeing all week and what I'm hearing on Sunday. And you know, I hope that you will always go to the Bible, check what I say against God's word. You don't have to listen to me, but attend to God's word because he will make this clear to you in ways that I never could. And so when I went to scripture and I started looking, something became very clear. Jesus came into this fallen world. 
And I saw Jesus walked the same streets that I walked. He saw the same sort of people every day that I was seeing. The difference between me and him, everywhere he went, he left things better. He left this world better. I remember looking at that and you see the blind men and receive their sight. You see women healed. You see uh, the deaf here. You, 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 you see the dead raised to life. You see over and over again, wherever Jesus went, there was a freshness. There was wonder. There was good that came out of his having come by. And I thought, you know, if God's really like that, I want to serve him. If he makes a difference for the good in this world, I don't understand why it's so messed up, but apparently he doesn't like it this way either. And so the one who stands there and says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God is the son of God and is one who brings peace. And he brings peace to us, doesn't he? And remember, as we're looking at the Beatitudes, we see that there is a progression. Last week, we looked at blessed are the pure in heart. And we saw that there was a peace that came from getting to that point where we have made peace with God. Because when you make peace with God, you're making peace with your creator. You're making peace with the one who made you the way that you are and who cares about you deeply. And by being at peace with him, you find yourself at peace with your surroundings because you know that you are where you're supposed to be because you're with him. And wherever he is and you are, that's the right place to be. Well, you make peace with him and you wind up having peace. You know, there's a, so many people want to have peace, but they don't want Jesus. And they look in all the wrong places and they try all the wrong things to have peace in their lives, don't they? They try to uh, get peace by making everybody happy around them, you know, and and then uh, you wind up on uh, the flip side of that is if uh, nobody else is, if somebody else isn't happy, then you can't be happy, you know. But the pursuit of happiness seems to be one of the main pursuits of the day. But at the bottom of it all is we really want peace. Larry Crabb wrote a book a long, long time ago called Inside Out. And uh, his premise is one that I have seen played out over and over and over again, where people think, if I could just get everything right on the outside, then everything will be okay on the inside. Once I, I finally get to a certain level of income, and how much income do you need? Let's face it, it's always just a little bit more, right? It's never quite enough. It's always, if you, if you did a poll, you would discover, and people have done these polls over and over again, and that's what it comes out to. How much money would it take for you to feel comfortable with your income? And it's always just a little bit more than what you have right now. Well, peace, peace with God. Peace comes in your heart whenever you come to know him. And when you get the inside straight, Jesus says, then the outside 
becomes all right. You can handle the outside once the inside is the way it's supposed to be. And so many, many people, uh, they, 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 they try to get their, they, they want to get all their needs met before they try to take time for God, not realizing that he will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus, our Lord. They try to find completeness in other people where they need to find their completeness in him. So they'll have something to share with someone else instead of being an emotional black hole to any people that they're around. There's so many people that just go out saying, love me, love me, love me. And they desperately want to be loved. And when everybody's going around saying, love me, love me, love me, who's given the love? If everybody's just trying to take or get, there's no one to give. And yet, if you find yourself complete in him, you'll find you have something to share with somebody else. And you will find peace. Well, once you're at peace, you know, people are talking all the time about, well, yeah, I, I know God's forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. I've heard that so many times. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter whether you forgive yourself or not. Because if you're beating yourself up, it means that you haven't started trusting in God and just realizing what he has done for you. He has come, he has brought you to the place where you can be freed from your past so you can live in the present and look forward to the future. And if you're, I remember a woman years ago, uh, we'll call her Jana. Jana came to me whenever I was, uh, 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 Giving, I was doing, I was, how do I say this? It always sounds like I was in therapy. I was a therapist for a while. I was a counselor for a while. I wasn't in counseling. I was doing the counseling, okay? And uh, this woman came to me and uh, she was just grieving because she had done something that she could never find peace over. Her husband was so abusive that she felt that she just couldn't take it anymore. And she just ran away and left her daughter with him. Years later, she realized what she had done to her daughter. And she wanted to be uh, back in a good relationship with her daughter. And her daughter didn't really want to have anything to do with her because of the what her mama had done to her. Didn't hear from her mom for years. And then she shows back up, says, hey, what what you going to do for me on Mother's Day, basically, you know? And then she just grieved and she was just so upset because her daughter wouldn't treat her like other daughters treated their mothers. Uh, we had a long way to go with this because you can see she just wasn't thinking right. But the thing is, she was wanting, she was so self-centered, she wanted the things that mothers got. But she didn't want to do what God wanted her to do. There was a way for her to be at peace with her daughter. But the thing is, part of having peace with others is respecting them to make up their own minds about how they're going to act with you and the relationship that they choose to have with you. And so uh, I just bring that up. I'm not going to go into all the other details on that. But uh, we did get her to a point to where she was at peace. Because God brings peace. And so, uh, but then you see, after you come 
to have his peace in your life. Part of that comes out of being pure in heart and staying pure in hearts, keeping short accounts with God. And if you hurt someone, you want to do something about it. You want to get that relationship back the way it should be. You don't want to leave it with pain between you and someone else. And so this is where you see the progression. You come to a place and you know it's not, when you hurt someone, you know it's not pleasing to God that you inflict pain on other people. And so uh, this is just it. We come to this place where we start living out of this peace and out of pleasing God. And one of the things that God, as we look through the uh, Beatitudes and then we look on into the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that he cares about more than anything else is your relationship with other people. And so here we are. We are looking at uh, be, blessed be the peacemakers. Live in peace with others. Now I want to meddle a little bit here today. I want to zero in on our homes because you see the home is the proving ground. That's where you start being a child of God. That's where you're supposed to be practicing peace. You know, I was looking up, uh, uh, I was just looking at what, what's the opposite of a peacemaker? An agitator? Uh, a stick stirrer? Uh, people that just thrive on drama and will stir it up if they don't have it? If nothing's going on, they'll get some, they'll get us, they'll get strife going on just because they enjoy it. And one of the things that says that God hates, that is a, it's an abomination to him, are feet that run to strife. People that enjoy uh, uh, agitation and, and things like that. And I started thinking about all the demonstrations that are going on today, just long after. You talk about they beat that horse to the ground and then filled the hole up that they made beating on the ground, you know? Uh, and yet still... They're agitating, and uh, it's just, uh, uh, but you see, there's their feet that run to strife, and there are these people that even claim to be men and women of God who keep stirring the stick. That's an abomination to God. So uh, in homes, this is where this all begins. Now, notice it says, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. And there's a big difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. A peace, and, and let's face it, in a lot of uh, Christian homes, we have peacekeepers. Oh, don't make waves. Walk on eggshells. And uh, the way that it works, and then there's a difference between being a peacemaker and being a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers often avoid conflict to keep the peace. Peacekeepers will work around issues and tiptoe around stuff instead of addressing it head on in love. And so we kind of get to this place where we say, oh, let's just make a truce. You know, let's let's just not talk about it. And you may not even say that out loud, but you just kind of get to this point where that's what you do. You just avoid the subject altogether. Let's get together at family dinners and we'll smile and we'll act like we're getting along, even though we know that there's really this thing that you need to apologize for. Um, 
There's tension behind the scenes, but you're not going to show it because we're going to be happy at this meal. No fighting, right? Okay. And when that happens, things go by and then something sets you off. And then it's like, ah, you know, I'm sick and tired of you. You did this and this and this and, and, and everybody around you just wondering, Where did that come from? Because it's so out of proportion to what just happened. It's because they were playing a game. You probably, hopefully y'all don't play this game. It's called putting all your eggs in the basket. Someone hurts you, you won't be a peacekeeper. So that's like you've been given an egg. What do you do with it? You stick it in the basket. And then uh, somebody else, maybe the same person does something else to you. Another egg, you fume a little bit, you stuff it. You put it in the basket and then maybe it's the same thing over again, but I'm not going to have you. You put it in the basket and you just try to ignore it and be a good person. Your intentions are good, but what you do, you stuff your feelings and you don't deal with an issue and you just keep putting those eggs in the basket. After a while, what happens to eggs if you just leave them in a basket? They rot. That's right. And then what happens? They get stinky, don't they? And so you wind up carrying around this basket full of stinky old eggs. And then something else happens. And there's no more room in the basket. And so all of a sudden, you pow and you pow. And all those eggs come out and you just unload the whole basket on this person at one time. And like I said earlier, everybody around saying, Where'd that come from? All I did was make a joke that you didn't take the right way, you know? I mean, you know, so uh, it's all just uh, out of proportion. But you see, there was a lot behind it because you hadn't dealt with the conflict. You hadn't kept things the way that they should be. Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. And what does a peacemaker do? This is one of those things you see in... uh uh, counseling, I've, dis- I've discovered something. There are two things that break up relationships more than any other. One, and, and, and that, that put wedges between people more than any other. One is conflict. The other is finances. Those two things cause more strife in households than anything else. And the thing is, these can be either wedges that blow you apart, push you apart, or if you handle them the way God wants you to handle them, they're like glue that help you to stick together. And they bring you to the place to where you show that other person that they really count, that they are valued, handled wrongly, the way people approach them. Uh, These two become wedges, as I said. So what should you do? Let, let's, I'm going to zero in on conflict today. We'll talk about finances some other time. But a lot of times the conflict's over finances, let's face it. So uh, they kind of go together. And, uh, the, and, and at the bottom of it all is that buzzword for so many years, communication. But this, I don't want to get in psychobabble here. But the thing is, again, I was, in the, I was an insurance adjuster for a while. And uh, my deal was helping people, my job was to help people reach settlements, reach 
an acceptable solution to uh, if they've been to get somebody been hurt and uh, we agreed on what the damages were. And uh, so I, I and I negotiated all the time. And whenever you negotiate, you reach something that's mutually acceptable. And yet I would go home and want to have a fight. And uh, it don't, began to dawn on me. I would fight on me. It, it don't, whenever I finally saw this, I, I thought, wow, the objective, whenever you have a conflict, the objective is not to win a fight. The objective is to resolve the conflict. And in order to do that, you find a mutually acceptable solution. And uh, the mutually acceptable solution might not be what either one of you were wanting in the beginning, but that's just it. You go, and, and, it, and, and all of a sudden, you get to the point to where it's, oh, we have a conflict here. We need to reach a mutually acceptable solution. And that's a lot different than just putting up your dukes and going to be my way or the highway. You know, there's just all the difference in the world. Because as you, in order to get to a mutually acceptable uh, solution, what you have to do is you have to talk to each other. And you have to talk to each other in respect. You have to value each other and recognize that that other person is entitled to their opinions. They're entitled to their preferences. They're entitled to everything that you are entitled to. And in God's sight, you are equal. So the thing is, two equals get together, respecting each other, not wanting to hurt each other, with an opportunity to understand each other more and share. Why do you think it needs to be this way? Why do you think it needs to be that way? And then weigh it all out. Learn to understand each other in ways you've never understood each other before. And maybe die to self, realizing that with you, it was just a matter of winning and that this is something else to the other person. And maybe you ought to go along with them. I don't have time to tell you the story of the round bed, but I'll tell you the story of the round bed sometime. A friend of mine that uh, his the marriage nearly split up over a round bed. But uh, that was where he began. He said, well, I'll just tell you, he told his wife, she saw this round bed. She said, oh, I've always wanted a round bed. And she said, no, she said, I always want a round bed. And he said, I'm not sleeping in a round bed. And that was the last egg for the basket. And her, he said, her face just went dark. And she said, you always get your way. And then he came into my office. I think she's going to leave me over a round bed. But it wasn't over the bed, you see. It's because as we explored, we discovered he did always get his way. And the things that mattered, he discounted her. He didn't show her the respect that he expected to get for himself. So anyway, so peacemakers, blessed are the peacemakers. What do peacemakers do? I'm just real quickly here. The first thing peacemakers do is they tell the truth in love. Some people don't want to say, tell that they'd rather lie than tell the truth. And this is happening in there. There's, there are people that we've gotten off in all sorts of craziness now because people are trying to be good people and be nice and they lie and they say things are right that don't line up with God's word. We see them saying lifestyles 
are okay, that God's word says they're not okay. And so how do you say, see, there's a way to say that in love. You don't, don't buy into the fact that uh, a lot of people today are being taught that if you cling, if you elevate God's word as truth, you must also hate. And the thing is, you don't have to hate to revere God's word and to call sin, sin. You can tell somebody that a sin is a sin in love. It's not hateful if you say, I just don't want you to go to hell. That's not hateful. They may, they'll take it as being hateful, but that's speaking the truth in love. And so that's what we need to do. First of all, be able to speak the truth in love. Then address the issue. Don't attack the person. Big difference. And then quickly, the last one, the last one is uh, apologize when you're wrong. You're not always right. You don't always do the right thing. You may live like you never do anything wrong and you may hold that position. But the I've learned a long time ago that the truth is more important than my pride. And uh, so the peacemakers apologize when they're wrong. Uh, and the thing is, whenever you do this, uh, it's you admit with an action is wrong without excuses. We admit to specific actions. We say, here's what I did. It was wrong. No excuses. You don't dare say, well, sorry, I looked at that something that was inappropriate. But uh, if you'd been meeting my needs, then you wouldn't have driven me to do that. OK, that's not an apology. Uh, that's pathetic. Uh, you know, I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt, you big old baby. That's not an apology. That's not an apology. We apologize for specifics. I am so sorry I belittled you in front of your friends. There was no excuse for that. That was wrong. I'm sorry that I didn't really consider you. I should have called uh, uh, whenever uh, I was late. I can see why you were worried. I'm sorry I raised my voice to you like that. That was disrespectful. Please forgive me. I'm sorry that I dropped the cat off the roof to see if he'd land on four legs. He should have, but he, he, but I, I, and I know I, he, I shouldn't have done that. Anyway, you see, you say you're sorry and you mean it and you're specific. This may be difficult, but we're not supposed to be just a Christian family. We're supposed to be in our homes, a Christ-centered family. And there is a big difference. You can be a Christian family these days and be Christian in name only. And yeah, you may even come to church from time to time. But how about during the rest of the week? In a Christ-centered family, every day, you're all focusing on what does God want in our relationships here in this household. So I'll close with this. Are you being a peacemaker? Are you being a peacemaker? You know, I have four kids. I have four kids. And guess what? They all look a little bit like me. And uh, those who are looking lucky look more like Sharon. But they all look a little bit like me. And guess what? 
When, uh, oh, God, tell you this, used to when they tell Mary, our youngest, she looked like her daddy, she'd cry. <laughs> but the thing is, when we make peace and when we do everything to live at peace with everyone and we even take it and let someone hurt us and freely forgive, guess who we look like? We look like our Heavenly Father created in His image and conformed to the likeness of His Son. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.